Welcome to the Maximum Ballplayers Podcast, brought to you by Max BP, with your host, Ross Lilly. Thanks for joining us today on the Max BP Podcast. This is Coach Ross, joined by the head coach at University of Maine, the proud Black Bears. Thanks for joining us, Coach Mike Coots. How are you doing today, Rock? Uh, doing great. Hey, thanks so much for being here with us. Uh, how's everything been going for you? Everything's been going great. We just started uh, softball practice last Tuesday, so we just got uh, one week under our belt, and uh, we're about 23 days away from playing, so this time of year, time goes by fast. We have to make the best use of it we can. Crunch time, right? Absolutely. It's the best time of year. Yeah, yeah very nice. So tell us, uh, tell us again, you know, a little bit about the program that you're currently coaching and how you're involved in softball these days. Well, this is my fifth year uh, as the head coach of the softball program here at the University of Maine. I actually spent uh, two years as the assistant coach, and ironically, my wife was the head coach. Uh, so we worked together with the softball program. She moved on to uh, administration, and so I became the head coach. And before that, we really got a my past has always been really at Maine. I, I played baseball here at the University of Maine. Uh, I was fortunate to play in the College World Series one year. I coached baseball here as an assistant for 11 years. Um, get into the training center business for like 15 or 16 years. Um, I worked with a company called Frozen Ropes. I had a couple of Frozen Ropes training centers. So uh, I've kind of done a little bit of everything from t-ball through high school baseball, college baseball, college softball. So uh, I feel like I'm a jack of all trades. That's awesome. Uh, that's a pretty unique scenario there with you you coaching with your wife. What was that like? Uh, it was awesome. I mean, we've really pretty much always worked together. Uh, when I was an assistant baseball coach here, she was a softball coach. And so we worked together there and then we worked together in the training center business. Um, and then when we did that here, it, it was really not any different than being at home. You know, she said, do this. And I said, yes, ma'am. And whatever she wanted, I did. And the other <laughs> unique part was that that was pretty good was she was a pitcher when she played college softball and I obviously was a hitter so she took care of the pitching I took care of the hitting and uh, we just worked together and it was great it was really a, a great thing for us and it was uh, you know passion of both of ours and our kids grew up around baseball and softball so it's been awesome wow sounds like the the perfect marriage on and off the field <laughs> well it's been 31 years so something's working right <laughs> congratulations that's great <laughs> thank you are you talking you talked about as a player, you played in the uh, College World Series. Tell us about that. Yeah, played, uh, you know, it was back in the day when there was like a real Northeast regional. It wasn't like how they do it now where they send teams all over the country and have super regionals and stuff. So uh, my junior year, we actually hosted a regional here at the University of Maine. And St. John's actually won the regional that year. And uh, Frank Viola, who pissed a lot of years in Major League Ball, was the the ace on the St. John's team that year. And then the following year, 1981 was my senior year. We won uh, the regional that was down at Yale. Uh, and if you people that follow baseball a lot, will tell you the, one of the greatest 
college baseball games ever was Ron Darling pitched against Frank Viola and it was a one nothing game and uh, it was like 14 innings long and we sat and watched that that regional and it was it was incredible and uh, we got to Omaha in 81 and it was unbelievable it was back when it was the old Rosenblatt Stadium uh, we lost to Miami and then South Carolina beat us the, the next day and so it was two games and out but the experience of it was just unbelievable and to be able to have a history of having played in the World Series is pretty unique. Yeah, that must have been a really proud moment uh, for yourself and and everybody that helped you get there along the way, right? For sure. And then, you know, ironically, like I said, it was a, it was a true Northeast Regional. And then Spain had, won, had gone to the World Series actually four straight years, uh, 81, 82, 83, 84, uh, missed 85, went back in 86. Um, and then there were a couple of years we hosted a regional here in 90 Clemson came up, Mississippi state came up. We ended up losing to Clemson in the regional final. Um, and then the next year in 91, uh, our main team, this is when I was coaching, we actually won 48 games and we ended up losing to Georgia uh, in a regional down in Connecticut. And that was the year that Georgia ended up winning the national championship. So Maine's had a great baseball history. Um, and, you know, we've been trying to do some of the same things with our softball program. Uh, three years ago, we won the conference championship, and we went to Georgia and played uh, Georgia and Oklahoma State. And, I mean, uh, just softball at a different level. I mean, uh, how hard the kids can throw. And, you know, we don't see that in our conference normally. So that was just a, an unbelievable experience. So I've been fortunate to do a lot of great things at the University of Maine. That's incredible. What a great opportunity to be able to uh, stick with the school that, that is so near and dear to your heart. Yeah, it's been great. You know, like I said, I, I played here and coached here as the associate head coach baseball for 11 years. And then, you know, thought I wanted to get into the business world and let's go get a training center going and I can teach all day. And then really what ended up happening is I became a businessman and I got away from teaching and coaching and um, then had tried for a long, long time to try to get back into the college game and found that once I got out of it, it was tough to get back into it for a lot of reasons. And then my wife took the job as the head softball coach and she said, well, why don't you come coach with me? And I was like, you know what, what does it matter? I want to, I want to coach at the collegiate level. Softball would be a great opportunity for me and I can learn some new things. And that's kind of how I ended up at softball. Awesome. Now, Coach, you, you talked a, a few minutes ago about, uh, you know, playing back in the qualifying for the College World Series back in the day where you guys came up a little short. And Frank Viola, um, 176-game winner, three-time All-Star, won 24 games in 1988. Did you ever have a chance to face him? Yeah, he uh, when he pitched up here against us, um, I got a chance to face him up here. Uh, and then ironically, like I, I played in the Cape league, my junior year. So I got a chance to face Ron Darling, who at the time was, uh, you know, one of the best pitchers around and everything else. So I've been, again, I've been fortunate to have been around some, some good players at Maine and coaches and played against some, some awesome people. And I'm sure if I really thought about who I got a chance to play against the list would go on and on, but yeah, Frank, yeah. Frank pitched up here and, uh, it was awesome. So it's, it's just a lot of really good stories to be able to share with people. And it, it's kind of humbling to think that, man, I did that or I was involved in that with a bunch of really good people. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now Darlene, he was part of that, uh, 
iconic Mets pitching staff with Dwight Gooden in the 80s. Yeah, so exactly. He was. Yeah. Um, so I think he must have been on that team in what, 86 that beat the Red Sox? He must have been on that team. He was, yeah. He, in 86, yeah. He, uh, he was 15 and 6, 2.81 yeah. ERA. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he he was good. He played for the Catua Cadillacs um, the year that I played uh, down there. And then ironically, um, you know, just a little bit more about my background, I've kind of done everything. I actually spent five years coaching in the Cape League for the Catua Cadillacs, um, which was oh, wow. just an unbelievable, unbelievable experience uh, being in the Cape League. So um, I feel like I've done a lot. I've been blessed. Um, and like I said, I just had an opportunity to be around some really, really good people. Yeah. Well, it sure sounds like the uh, Black Bears are lucky to have you there as the head coach of the softball program. Um, that transition from baseball to softball, have you found, do you have a favorite thing about softball? Well, I think the big thing for softball for me was uh, the speed of it. I mean, it's just how how quickly you have to do things on the field, you know, from infielders to outfielders and how quick things happen um, to how fast the game goes. I mean, it's awesome to think how quickly it goes. And then I go and I'll watch my son play. He goes to school at the University of Rhode Island. I'll go down and watch him play games. And it's like, man, this game's ever going to get over. Like, these baseball games take forever. Um, so the speed of it and uh, how good athletes the girls are. I don't think a lot of people give them enough credit to uh, really how athletic girls are. And to play the game, softball game, the way that some of them play it is just impressive. Yeah, that's a really good point. Now, you, you talked about uh, going down to watch your son play at, at Rhode Island. Uh, what what year in school? What position does he play? He's a junior this year. Um, he plays right field at school, uh, but the last couple summers in summer league, uh, he's played first base. You know, the first year he played in the New England Collegiate League and played first base for North Adams Steeplecats. And then this past year, he played down in the Cape League for Falmouth and uh, played first base there, so he's a right right fielder, first baseman, I guess, left-handed hitter, and uh, nice. just loves playing. Yeah. So uh, that must be a pretty pretty special relationship that you share with your son, and you know, with both you and your wife being so involved in the life on the diamond, you know, for years and years. Um, I'm sure that must be pretty special to share with him and, and to attend those games. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, uh, you know, we've obviously, our life has been around the baseball diamond or the softball diamond and so forth. I can remember one year, Lynn and I were coaching together a travel ball team a few years ago, and we want to, you know, you play on Thursday, you play on Friday, you get in the championship round, you got to play and keep playing and keep playing. Well, we ended up, we had our daughter with us. It was like 9.30 at night. We made a little bed for her underneath the bench so she could go to sleep. Because we're just playing the game, and it was just like it's just kind of how how our life's been. So it's been, yeah, it's been awesome, and we've been fortunate. Our son Jackson loves baseball. Our daughter has kind of taken a different path. She does track and soccer, which has been great. Um, so it's exposed my wife and I to, you know, what there's something else out there besides baseball and softball is track and soccer and other things. So that's been awesome for us too. Very cool. So, um, you know, obviously you're passing down a lot of great information to your son. Did there happen to be a key athletic influence in your life as you were growing up? 
Well, I don't know. I think I grew up in Auburn, Maine, and, and back in the day, they were really, really good state-wise, baseball-wise. Um, you know, my one of my years, we ended up losing in the state championship. I think we were 12, and then when we were 16, we played in the Eastern Regional Championship to try to get to the, the World Series for Senior League Baseball. We ended up losing, and that influence, I think, of growing up in a town that was kind of baseball crazy, um, was huge, and then being able to come to the University of Maine and play for Hall of Fame coach John Winkin, who, man, I think he went over 12 or 1,300, maybe 1,400 games as a college coach, and um, and then mm. to play in the Cape. The gentleman I played for in the Cape, Red Wilson, was just a, a fantastic human being. I mean, I took so much from him as as a person and, and how to act and how to treat people and stuff, and um, I think those two guys probably have influenced me the most in terms of coaching and so forth and then I think the other thing uh, like people that want to get good and you just need to keep learning and yeah I just try to keep learning and following the people that are doing great things and what are they doing and how are they doing it and how can I implement that into to what I'm doing and, and stuff so I think you just continually find good people to follow uh, that that you want to be influenced by yeah, sometimes it, and tell me if you agree with this, it seems like that little bit of extra legwork and preparation is really worth the time invested. Yeah, no question. And I think for for us here at Maine, like we really, it's, it's tough to win at Maine. I mean, it's tough to win any place, but it's tough to, I mean, we spend like we're practicing in a dome. Our closest conference opponent is four hours away on a bus. We've got a nine hour bus ride, a 10 hour bus ride. Uh, we have a lot of challenges here, so I think you have to invest your time in, in different things that are going to help you win and, and give your kids the best opportunity to be successful. Yeah. We're here with Coach Mike Coots, the head softball coach at University of Maine. Uh, coach, what do you feel is the most rewarding thing about coaching and training players? I think it's just the relationships you build with them and your ability to you know, pass down wisdom and, and help them get through rough spots and, and help them realize that, you know, you really have got great things to offer the world. And I think some kids come from backgrounds and places where they're accustomed to people telling them, you know, you can't do that. You're not good enough. That's not what you're supposed to have. And um, I think one of the things having played baseball at Maine where people think like, man, what are you doing? You can't get to the college world series. You can't do that. So I think, one of the things that I always tell the girls is, you know, you're either going to go out and prove people wrong or you're going to go out and prove people right. But you always got to go out and try to prove something to somebody because there's always going to be somebody that's going to tell you you can't do that. And, I mean, you know, we're not a Power 5 school, so we don't get blue-chip players. We get a lot of kids that someone said, you know what, you'll never be a Division One softball player. So the relationships that you build and, and you you know, being able to help them get through the tough spots, I think is the most benefit, the thing that I look forward to the most every day. Yeah. So as a, as a former teacher and coach myself, I think um, one of the most frustrating and, and at times heartbreaking things that I've experienced in that realm is not every kid gets the same chance. And so, you know, kind of building upon what you were just talking about, what is it like when you see one of these girls that maybe didn't get a chance or somebody told them they'd never be a D1 athlete, when you see them uh, prevail and have a great success at the D1 level, what is that feeling like? 
Well, I think it's just, it's over, you're just overwhelmingly happy for them because you know how much it means to them. And like, I've always tried to say to the girls, you know, man, I've had a unbelievable experience in baseball and softball in my life. And I just wish you guys or hope you guys can have that same experience and have, um, know what it feels like to, to overcome things and have great friends and people that you rely on and, and, and so forth. I mean, those are the things that really get the kids motivated and stuff. And I think sometimes I've always believed that sometimes you don't know the impact you have on people or your players as a coach until after they've left, because they sometimes don't totally get it at that time. But later on, two, three, four, five, six years later, they're like, man, that really made sense of what coach was saying. And at the time they think you're out of your mind, but then later on they're like, yeah, that really made a lot of sense. So your impact, I think lasts forever. And I think the one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that your impact positively or negatively has a great influence on kids. So you always have to be careful about the words that you choose uh, and the body language and how you're really talking to kids, because a lot of them do take it, you might be the only positive influence that kid has in their life. So, you know, you have to be really aware of how you communicate. And I think not to get too long winded, I've always, the one thing I've realized from coaching girls, like I tell my guy friends, you need to coach females because you become a better coach because you learn how to communicate better. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that a few yeah. times. That, that's a really good point. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, with that being said, you've been around a lot of, uh, you know, baseball and softball players both. What do you feel it takes nowadays to become a collegiate and even possibly a professional ball player? You know, the one thing I always tell our girls, and I and I think I would share with a lot of people, and I think it's a good thing for everybody. You got to have a growth mindset. You got to be willing to say, "I've got to learn. I've got to go to practice today, and I've got to learn." Um, you got to trust your coaches. You got to trust that people know what they're telling you is the best thing for you. And if you don't trust it, you got to have, you know, some type of communication. I think you got to have, as most people would tell you, you got to have a great work ethic. I think the kids, the people that make it um, successfully through minor league, you think about minor league baseball and what those kids go through and those people go through, like, you've got to believe in yourself and you got to be mentally tough. And if you don't, if you don't believe in yourself, man, there's days when like, if you're playing 140 games in a minor league season and you've gone a week and a half without a hit or something, it's easy to give up. So you got to be able to believe in yourself over time. And then you've got to be mentally tough to get through all those tough times and realize that what's my goal. Um, so you just, I think you got to start thinking at a higher level. You got to work out at a higher level. You got to think at a higher level. You got to, you got to focus at a higher level. And then I think more and more in our world, the way things are coming is that you've got to, um, you got to eat right. You got to recover. You got to sleep. Um, and some, some kids, some people don't understand the importance of those things and they all play a role in success or failure. So you're saying, um, it has to be a lifestyle. Uh, you know what? That is a great use. Put that in very short term. What I said took me two or three <laughs> minutes. Yeah, it has to be. And I think well, with yeah. anything you do, right, it has to be your lifestyle. And like your funny story is like we just went to Spain uh, in November with our softball team because the NCAA allows you to travel 
uh, to a foreign country once every four years. So we went to Spain, wow. uh, and it was an unbelievable trip. And after we're coming home, and I said to my wife, Lynn, I'm like, Lynn, how come we haven't traveled? I said, all we've done is gone around the baseball and softball field. That's all we've done our whole life. I said, this was awesome. Um, but it's, it was our lifestyle, and, and we loved it. Yeah. And you know what? If we didn't love it, we'd get out of it. But it's been, it's been fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, you've been using the Max BP since 2017. Um, tell us, how did you come across Max BP initially? Well, I think it's it's like anything. You're you're trying to find better ways to do things at practice. You're trying to give your kids a little bit of an advantage, and you know there's so much available to us online. You know, whether it's a website or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. So just doing research and so forth. I, uh, I had come across your product and started watching the videos and seeing what it was used for, and um, started to make sense to one. There's only Jordan and I, my assistant coach, there's just two of us at practice. We can't be every place. So to be able to educate the girls and show them how to do the different drills that you guys have and put that as a station, I know that if they're paying attention to what they're doing and they're doing the drill the way that we've educated them, they can go over to that station and they kind of get something out of it. I don't need to be standing with them in order for them to improve their reaction time or their decision-making or their vision training or their tracking, follow the rules of what we've talked about. And, and the machine is awesome. So that's kind of how I came across it was just kind of doing research and then, and then buying one and using it and going, all right, this will work for us. Yeah. I love the fact that you're using it for stations. I think that's a great way to implement it. Uh, do you guys use it at all as a pregame warmup, either at home or away? Yeah, we do that too. I mean, a lot of times we use it as like a bunting, a bunting station, um, pregame and so forth with one of the skinny bats that, that you guys are small bats, which those bats are ingenious that you can have a long skinny bat and then you can unscrew it and all of a sudden it's a shorter bat. I mean, that that's fantastic. So again, that's helpful. So it's more of educating the kids, having a plan. This is what we're doing today. You know, you guys got seven or eight drills or, that I've taken from there. Here are the two drills we're doing today, two more the next day, two more the next day. And so we'll incorporate it into some other things that we've done with, with uh, Ryan Harrison and slow the game down. So, you know, we're trying to train everything of our girls. We're trying to train physically what we're doing. We're trying to train the vision. Uh, we just had a guy in named Tyler Pazik for four days to help us with our mental game. So just trying to do a little bit to give them, to give them everything they need to learn um, and to realize how grateful and appreciative they need to be for everything that they have. Yeah. Pretty incredible opportunity with technology nowadays. Uh, oh, without up, a doubt. Yeah. I grew up playing ball in the 90s, and uh, I've said many of times, if, if I would have had a chance to utilize a machine like this and just other technology out there, even the Internet, you know, being able to research things and, and come up with ideas that other people have used uh, rather than, I guess, going to a library or reading an encyclopedia or, or just, you know, talking to coaches. The internet is such a great source. And, and as you said, there's a lot of really wonderful drills on maxbp.com for people that do, do own a, a max BP pitching machine. Um, Absolutely. Do guys, yeah. Do you guys happen to have a favorite, a favorite drill that you utilize on a regular basis? 
Well, I think that one of the ones we use um, is the, it's like a reaction one. I don't even know the name of it, but like we, we put a girl at 30 feet uh, from the machine and we'll throw, you know, have 10 balls go and then she'll move up to 25 feet and then she'll move up to 20 feet. And we have the machine on turbo the whole time and we make them catch the ball alternating right, left, right, left. And then we use that as like a competition station. So it's me against you. If I win, I'm going to the next round and the next round. And then whoever ends up being the champion at the end of the day, we like dogpile them like we just won the championship. So the girls get really into that. But like you think about this pressure on you, there's decision making. You got to track a ball, you got to catch a ball. You can't get frustrated if you haven't caught some. So I like that one a lot. But the other one yeah. that, that you guys have, um, you know, the catch it deep, the color reaction. I like the color reaction where you got to maybe pull the white ball, hit the blue ball oppo, and the colored ball, you just let travel. Like, I think that is huge because most kids, as soon as they see a ball, they want to swing. And it's like yeah. hitting is about making a decision. So that right. makes them make a decision. So I really like that one um, because you can get front toss. Everybody should crush front toss. So it's like front toss is almost a waste of time sometimes. So I like that mm-hmm. uh, decision-making one. And then the bunting is awesome. And then the, you know, the tap, the tap and, and track it, track it deep is a good one too. Cause it makes you track the ball uh, really deep. Yeah. No, those are all wonderful drills for, as you said, tracking, catching the ball, hand-eye coordination, vision training, um, and, and fun. I love the implementation of the champion gets dogpiled to everybody else, and it's a big celebratory thing. It's a way, way to keep kids engaged, and it sounds like a blast. Well, and you got to, like, we tried to dogpile the other day, and it was awful. And I said, hey, girls, if we're going to win a championship, we need to dogpile better than that. So they all got a kick out of that. So we'll just keep practicing it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. See your future, be your future, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Cool. So tell me, of some of your pupils there, have you seen some pretty incredible improvements uh, just in certain drills or just their abilities in general? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that just over time, I think it's, you have to be patient with it because obviously some of the stuff you can't get right away. And I mean, so it's a learning process for the players, which they want everything now, just like you, you know, the internet there, I can have information in a 10th of a second. It takes time to learn those things. So no, I, I've noticed that, that our ability to bunt uh, with the little stick has been improved greatly that, that cause that's in, increased their focus and made them really focus and be intentional about, um, what they're doing and then the, they just become more athletic you know you try to get them to do the catch it deep at first and it looks like they're you know a deer walking across ice they don't even know how to do it so over time you see it and I think this is the first year that we've really spent a lot of time implementing it into practice so I'm anxious to see as the year goes on um, how it goes so maybe in a month after our first weekend you call me and I'll tell you how good we are yeah, I love it. And I, I think that uh, you made a, an excellent statement there when, when you talked about how, um, you know, it's not something you're going to be great at right away. And that's one of the really, really cool things about Max BP is there's so many different settings, both with velocity and, you know, spin on, on different types of balls as well. Yeah. But it's not something that you're going to master in 
one training session or even 10 training sessions, maybe not even 100 training sessions. Right. It's going to be something that's going to be a continual improvement. And, and as you said, you can change up uh, how far you're standing from the machine, what speed setting it's on. So I think that that's, uh, the fact that it's so challenging, I think, is, is what makes it such a wonderful training tool. Well, and I think that's the piece of it. I mean, the kids, you need to be challenged at practice. And, I mean, it's like I was saying, you know, you can put a ball on the tee and I can front toss, and there's no challenge there. I mean, you learn better when you change the environment. You learn quicker. Uh, it stays with you longer and so forth. So if you're changing the environment, which is a smaller ball coming at you hotter, changing the bat, and the kids are intentional about what they're doing and they're paying attention to what they're doing and then it, it the learning happens faster but to put a ball on a team to say go swing kids don't pay attention to to what they're doing and actually there's been statistics proven that um you're a completely different hitter off a tee than you are like front toss or even a game so what's yeah. the tee good for if you're different front toss and you're different in a game so to be honest with you, we don't we don't really use a tee a lot here. I'm not a big fan of the batting tee. I'd rather have the kids have something difficult for them to do, like you know, your machine uh, and so forth. So that's I just think over time we're going to learn quicker and it's going to stay with us longer. Interesting, and I really love the fact that you guys are coming up with new creative ways to utilize the machine for different types of training methods. Um, with that being said, do you feel like uh, that Max BP overall, is it a game changer? Yeah, I think it is if you use it properly um, and you pay attention to, to what you're doing and you, you're, you're well organized in what you're doing. I think that, you know, and it's not only like hitting. I mean, tomorrow we're going to use it with our catchers and we're going to learn how to catch the ball in our fingers and our thumb and frame it and, and do things there and same kind of thing. You know, what colors the ball that you just caught what part of the plate was this over so you can do some other things with it fielding wise and i think it's going to be invaluable for catchers because they're the ones that got to sit back there from 43 feet and have the girls chucking the ball you know 65 miles an hour at them <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and, and i think as far as fielding drills and uh, specifically catching drills catchers play such a huge role uh, on the defensive side of the ball um, and I was a catcher growing up, and it seems like there's sort of an afterthought a lot of times as far as their, their training and development goes. You know, usually there's a coach and maybe one assistant, maybe some, some scenarios, two assistants, but it's hard to get those, those coaches over there to work on a catcher one-on-one. So I think nope. it's really, yeah, it's a really cool to be able to set the machine up, walk away, and, and continue to run you know, different drills and let the catcher work on their thing. Right, and, and from wherever you are, like we're in a dome right now, I could be halfway, three-quarters of the way across the dome, and I can look over and see if our catchers are doing it right, and I can get on them. And, you know, the one thing we, we talk to them a lot about is you got to coach each other. If you see, you know, your teammate's not catching it right or isn't doing a drill right bunting-wise or whatever, you need to coach them. So when you're coaching somebody, it makes you a better a better player because now you're understanding it better. And So I think that's a, a big piece of it too. Because sometimes when you just stand there as a coach and repeat things over and over, the kids don't necessarily get it. But now if they've got to communicate it with somebody, they understand it better because now they have to process, all right, how am I going to tell this person they're doing this drill wrong or how am I going to tell them this is how you need to do it right? Yeah, exactly. Good point. 
Okay, this is kind of a fun question for you, Coach. If you could be okay. any athlete for one day, any athlete, past or present, who would it be and why? Can I pick two? Absolutely. I think if I had to pick one from a while, a long time ago, I took one player from the 1980 Olympic team, hockey team that beat the Russians, because that must have just been in the Olympics, must have been just an unbelievable experience. And then you, you see the movies, read the stories, and everything that those guys went through and how good the Russians were that year. That would be awesome to be any one of those guys. And then the other guy probably would be when uh, Tom Brady was down 28-3 to to the Atlanta Falcons. What was going through his mind when they were down 28-3 to um, and how he was able to turn that game around and they ended up winning? Great choices. Great, great so, choices. Yeah. This is the last little part of the, uh, the interview here. This is kind of a rapid-fire deal. Uh, so maybe, you know, one word, one sentence answers here. Okay. Favorite ball player of all time? Uh, I'd have to say probably George Brett and uh, Roberto Clemente. Just really – Clemente probably because it was when I first started watching and then George Brett was kind of my era. Okay. I like it. So the next one would be biggest misconception in softball today. Uh, I kind of touched on it earlier that, that the girls aren't good athletes. <laughs> that would be the biggest one. Yeah. Fearless prediction for the 2020 season. Uh, conference championship. I love it. Got to be. Difference, biggest difference between baseball and softball. Um, as I said earlier, the, just the speed, how quickly the ball gets from the pitcher's rubber to home plate is just incredible. All great answers, Coach, and thank you all of you who joined us today on the Max BP podcast. A special thanks to Coach Mike Coots, the head coach at University of Maine Softball, the proud Black Bears. Appreciate it, Ross. I appreciate having uh, having the opportunity to talk with you and talk a little bit of baseball and softball and Max BP and both the Black Bears. Yeah, go Black Bears. Hey, best, best of luck this season, Coach, and uh, keep in touch. Love to hear how the season goes, okay? Will do. Thank you.